Hey, beer lovers, I'm Kenna. And I'm Chris. You ready to crack a cold one? I am. I already did. Me too. <laughs> Welcome again, bear lovers. Beer? Bear? <laughs> Do you love bears? Do you love bears? <laughs> well, you're in the wrong spot. <laughs> Welcome, ba- beer lovers. I have not had anything to drink, I promise you. All right, guys, we were hoping that we'd get you live to some of our local breweries by this time, but unfortunately, COVID is still in session. So what we decided to do, and especially with the holidays upon us, we decided we would bring you a couple of local beers that we've purchased, and we thought we'd taste them uh, while we're live, give you our honest feedback of each of them, And of course, these are gonna be Texas beers. Some of these are a little more north than South Texas, but we love Texas beers just the same. So we decided we'd go ahead and bring those as well. Yeah, so um, just kind of bouncing off of that, we just went to Total Wine and we got a couple of local beers uh, in all different styles. So today we're gonna talk about seven different beers that we purchased. And we'll definitely send some pictures, put it up on the Instagram and Facebook, and you can see exactly what the beers look like from lightest to darkest. And then we'll touch on each one of those beers, uh, where they're made, where they're from, the ABV, things like that. A little bit of history about each style. Mm -hmm. And uh, just as a side note, we spent uh, probably $1 to $3 on each of these cans. So you can go and total wine and buy them by the can. So it's a really good way to taste without having to commit to a full six-pack. And I was blown away by the variety. Oh, absolutely. I I was just so pleased. And they had it really organized well. You could tell exactly what style you were looking at and the region it was from. And again, we stuck with just Texas beers, but there's so many to explore. So take advantage of that. And if for some reason you're not close to a Total Wine, uh, HEB has a great selection as well. So you can go there and we'll, again, give you the exact name of the beer, the brewing company, if you're interested in trying the same beers that we're trying today. Yeah, or take a road trip and go to one. Absolutely. Right? Cool. Another note, just before we get started, I wanted to let everyone know that we found a craft beer tasting kit at Half Price Books for like $5.00. And it comes with a bottle opener, a packet of tasting notes, a little wheel with like all of the different adjectives and flavor profiles, and a little booklet with like 101, like what you need to know, history of beer, how to taste it, this and that and the other. And that's where we're getting some of this information from. So it was awesome that we have that. It was really a cool find and it would be a great gift for people. Absolutely. Uh, Especially if you're just kind of starting out or... Really, even if you're not just starting out, I learned a bunch of stuff, and yeah. I've been drinking beer for a couple yeah, of years. Exactly, so, yeah, exactly, yeah. And then we also found, well, you know, Half Price Books, that was like one of the things that they get in bulk, and they have multiple of. It was But new. we also found a book, I found a book, and it was called Cooking with Beer, and it has all these beer recipes. That was one of its kind, but there was a multiple in that section about kind of similar things. So if you're interested, I mean, they are just a couple books, and that's awesome. It's like a little beer cookbook, you know? It's fun. They've always got great things. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So let's talk about how we taste a beer. Pretty simple. And if you're a fan of wines, it's not unlike that. Uh, 
some real key points you want to focus on so you really get the most out of your flavors and, and enjoyment of the beer. First thing would be sight. What does it look like? Is it clear? Is it murky? And I will say that if it's murky, it's not a sign that it's a bad beer. For example, you have unfiltered wheat beers, you want them to be murky. If you have a lighter uh, Pilsner style that is a filtered beer, you don't want it to be cloudy. So those are two key uh, points there. Also, you want to listen to the sound. This one is not so much important, but you certainly want to be able to hear the, the fizz. It's less of an impact uh, than like maybe champagne, because if you pop champagne and it doesn't pop, don't drink it. So this is more about the fizz and just the, the, the way it sounds as it's being poured into the glass. It's just more about anticipation. Then smell. Smell is very important. Aroma, uh, the bouquet, if you're a wine person. Most all of your olfactory um, are responsible for taste. That's why when you get a cold and your nose is stuffed up, you can't taste anything. Or if you have COVID and you can't taste anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just a different disease. Yeah, I guess. So. Different problem altogether. <laughs> but one of the things that you'll want to note if you have citrus or tropical notes, the hops is responsible for that. If you have a bready or a roasted note, uh, that's the grain. And if you have a fruity note, like an apple or a banana, which sounds weird with beer, but it is, uh, that's the yeast. Uh, and then touch, and touch is how does it feel in your mouth. And it can be really refreshing or it can be really warm. And that's really obvious to figure out the style. If it's really refreshing, you're on the beach, you're drinking probably a lager or a pilsner, right? Or if it's real heavy, you're thinking about sitting around the fire, drinking something that's a stout or yeah. uh, you know something that's in that heavier. Mm -hmm. So that's easy to understand. The bitterness also, uh, the bitterness can come from the hops uh, and or the roasting malt, which I thought that was really interesting when I did that research. And back to our notes from our first sex, uh, our introductory. I just laughed because you said sex, and I was like, <laughs> you're gonna get such me. a child. You said sex. <laughs> Back to our introductory session uh, with IBU definition. Uh, that's your bitterness. And again, just as a reminder, bitterness can be 1 to 100. Uh, a lager, 10 to 20 on average. Porter, 30 to 50. IPA, 40 to 80. And double IPA, that's when you get into the 100. Dang. Yeah. And so two beers with the same... IBU can actually taste different as far as the bitterness is concerned. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you've got more of a dry beer, it'll taste very different bitter-wise than a stout. So the dry bitter is different than like a like a rich bitter. Correct. Okay. Correct. And then sweet, that comes from the grain. Uh, we don't really associate sweet a lot of time with beer unless it's been flavored. Or it's but, like a sour. Or it's a sour. Or something like exactly. That. And so that, well, sour is next. So sweet, sour. Oh, yeah, so you've got the opposite. Um, and the sour can be very intentional, and it's by literally souring the bacteria. Ew. So I know it sounds gross, right? But think about <laughs> yogurt. sour some of this bacteria and sell it. <laughs> we're going to put it in a drink. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to make it, you know, intoxicating. Yep. But... Don't worry about the souring bacteria. Part. Yeah, it's not like bad bacteria. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. But think about souring your bacteria similar to a natural yogurt and the tang you get with that, right? So that's not as gross. Yeah. Right? Like a bitter beer, a sour beer is really an acquired taste yeah. to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It's not something that we're used to, but 
you know, Brittany loves sour beers. And in fact, we had a raspberry sour at, what was the name of that brewery we went to? Back and Turned? Not Back and Turned. The one where we played Cards Against Humanity. Oh, uh, Roadmap Brewing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Brittany loves. Shout out Roadmap Brewing. <laughs> Just saying. I used to host trivia there. If any of y'all played trivia. That Great was brewery. <laughs> Great brewery. We really liked that one. Love the names of their beers. They're funny. And a great place, a real family place. Yeah. And they even had a food truck parked out there, which I think a lot of them have, you know, access to food. Yeah. But it was, it's great. Board games have a lot of fun. And that's um, definitely one we'll touch on more. This yeah. is just a side note about yeah. a great brewery that we yeah, visited. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then last would be umami. And those of you foodies know that umami just means savory. So with all of your other taste in there, it's... Uh, it's, you know, what does savory taste like? It's umami. And that is found in beer due to the grains. Huh. So, pretty interesting. Yeah. All right. So, we have... Oh, sorry. Were you going to go? No. That okay. was it. I was just, just... Just your tasting notes. And so, as we go through and we start to taste these beers, which I'm waiting Excited. for. Uh, we're going to be kind of touching on all of those. Not really all of them necessarily, because all of them don't apply. Uh, but we will certainly kind of touch just to kind of give you a verbal image mentally of what you might uh, like, what you might want to try, and yeah. uh, and then go by. So I uh, just wanted to say before all of this starts, one, we absolutely encourage and want everybody to drink responsibly. Absolutely. Definitely, if you're having a great time at home tasting, that's awesome. If you decide that you want to go out, obviously make sure you have a safe ride home. That's really, really important to us. And then also, uh, we're learning, like we said in the last episode, just as much as you guys are. We're tasting some beers in this first seven that are outside of our comfort zones. Mm -hmm. But we're going in with open minds and open palates. Uh, (laughs) We have never tasted, either one of us have never tasted any beer that we're trying today. So we're really excited about that. Yeah. And also, too, because it's outside of our comfort zone, we may or may not be one of our favorites. We may not choose to buy it when we're out again but we're opening our minds and every time you taste something new you connect a new brain synapse you get just a little bit smarter yeah and uh definitely if tasting beer is something that you're interested in i would highly recommend going out and trying different beers like we said these were relatively cheap one can you can buy in singles even at heb they offer that and you can just try a beer you take a sip you don't like it no harm done. Just now you know what your flavor profile is. So exactly. there you go. And as the mom between the two of us, and you're always responsible, but I have to say that too. Please do not plan on drinking and driving. Uh, the ride shares are cheap and available, and you're on my road and I'm on your road. So let's just be safe. And dad drives for Uber. Uber. <laughs> Uber. Dad drives for Uber. So if anybody needs a ride, just let yeah. us know. So, um, I know we did a lot of beer history last episode. I'm definitely going to do like just a snippet of more because it, it kind of leads into my lager spiel. So the first beer that we are going to taste is going to be a lager, which on the scale is the lightest beer. I mean, there's definitely lighter beers that you can taste, but just in general, this is like one of the lightest beers. Correct. So, beer itself originated in North Europe, like we said last time, and it was originated in an area that is now Germany and Austria, like kind of in that area. Um, All beers back then were fermented with 
one strain of yeast only, with a few exceptions. Some people like to experiment. It never really panned out. Mm -hmm. So the strain of yeast is called Saccharomyces cerevisiae, which cerevisiae is spelled with a C, and it almost sounds like cerveza. Like, that's what I put in my notes, like cerveza, question mark. So that was interesting. I was like, I wonder if that's what the, where the word originated from. You know, the yeast. Sure, a Latin-based. Yeah. Word. And that yeast is actually used still today. It has been since beer birthed. And it's also used in baking and wine making as well. So it's a really widely known. They don't exactly know where it came from. Is a rumor or kind of specu- speculation that it came from like the skin of grapes, which would make a lot of sense with sure. wine. And... So yeah, it's been used in fermenting beer for thousands of years. Um, so, lager specifically is actually the world's most popular beer for the obvious reason that a lot of beers are lagers, and that's usually what you start with when you first try a beer in your life, hopefully at age 21. You realize that, okay, like, lager, really light, easy beers is usually what you start to drink because it's the easiest drinking beer. Right. And typically, people that really don't like drinking beer tend to stick to lagers because they don't want, they already don't like the taste of beer. Then they don't want to try anything stronger or more flavorful because they're like, I don't know. Right. So that yeast I was just talking about, the Saccharomyces cerevisiae, is actually referred to as top fermenting yeast, like we kind of touched on uh, last episode. The cerevisiae ferments warm and quickly producing an estuary quality to the beer and creates what we refer to as an ale. Right. So that would be top fermenting yeast. Then we have something that is known as bottom fermenting yeast, which is actually what lagers are fermented with. So the yeast that lagers are fermented with is very similar, but it's a little different. It's called Saccharomyces posterioris, which works at a much slower rate and is working at cooler temperatures and is referred to as bottom fermenting. So it's kind of self-explanatory, top fermenting, the yeast ferments at the top of the vat, bottom fermenting, they ferment at the bottom. And cool fermented beer dates back to the Middle Ages when it was brewed in caves, making it a cool environment. But that made it so that they could only brew beer during the cold months because during the hot months, it wouldn't last. Couldn't do it. So this is interesting. I thought uh, there's no real answer to how the new strain of yeast came to be. And the thought was that it gradually, the first one gradually evolved into the second one, but it's not really proven. In any event, Germany had a new yeast to work with sometime in the 1500s, and that's when they started making lagers. Um, So before we taste our first beer lager, I just have a couple of fun facts. Uh, So December 10th is actually National Lager Day. Ooh, Pretty cool. It's coming up. up. Yeah. Uh, the first U.S. lager was brewed by John Wagner in Philadelphia, and he actually brought the yeast back from Europe when he was visiting, and he used it to make his own beer. How do you do Pretty that? Pretty cool. A I have no idea. I have no clue. Excuse Carry me. on. Yeast coming through. <laughs> yeast coming through. Yeah. Uh, while most lagers are light in color, the first German lager was actually dark. So mm-hmm. that's interesting, because when you think lager, you think like Dos Equis, something really light like yeah. that, but it was actually dark. And lagers can be dark. There's actually a thing, such a thing as a black lager, mm. and it literally is like really dark in color, but it tastes like a lager. It's wild. Is that, we'll have to look it up and see, but is that because of the toasting? I, I have no idea. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to tell you. But we'll yeah, that's it. Up. Yeah, we definitely should. And then just lastly, uh, sinosilicophobia is the fear of an empty glass, which I'm pretty oh. sure I have. <laughs> so, anyways, <laughs> we're going to try. Well, let's solve that problem. Yeah, seriously. 
So our lager beer that we're trying today is from Rar and Sons Brewing Company, and it's actually just called Rar's Original Beer. Uh, simple name. Uh, it's four point five percent, and it's brewed, like I said, at Rar and Sons in Fort Worth. Woo-hoo. So not too far from where we are. Yeah, I've had a couple of their beers, but not this one. Yes. All right. Ready? Yeah. Ooh. Oh, that sounded good in the Crack microphone. Crack a cold one. <laughs> Or crack a lukewarm one, because we just put these on ice. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I spit on you. Okay, so the first thing that we're doing right now is pouring a little bit of the beer into our respective glasses. And just off the top, it's very bubbly. Mm-hmm. It looks really good. You can see the bubbles lining the bottom of the glass. Oh, you put more in yours. Let me get I some did. more of that. Thirsty. Yeah, it's very carbonated. Very I mean, I'm sure you heard when I opened it. And yeah, it's uh, it's translucent. Very you can pale see yellow. right through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What'd you say about the color? It's very pale yellow. Yeah, very it's light. kind of, it kind of looks like a Miller Lite. That's the color yeah. I would compare it to. Yeah. yeah. Little uh, golden kind of. All right. Okay. Cheers. Hey, we got a smell. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So. It's very neutral. It's really neutral. A lot. It's kind of benign, right? Yeah. It doesn't smell like much it just i mean you could t- smell the that it's beer you can definitely smell the yeast yeah and this is a trick that we like to use i think it helps some people say it's a myth but if you close your eyes when you smell i feel like you get a better you also inhale. open your mouth just slightly when you're breathing through your nose that way you mm. get all yeah the olfactory working yeah right it smells good okay okay cheers okay. cheers oh <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Didn't your eardrums just blow out? Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Still loud. Ew, you can hear me going. <laughs> it's like tasting. Licking my lips. <laughs> so gross. Sorry, everyone. So we already touched on sight. Sound, right? We got a good sound. Smell. Now we're talking about touch. So... It is very light on the palate, right? Mm-hmm. Super easy to drink. Uh, not a lot of aftertaste. And yeah, I mean, that's something that someone can really enjoy and something that someone might not enjoy. So it's just your preference if you like a lot of aftertaste in your beer or if you don't. I agree. I personally don't. But. And on a lager like this, I prefer a quick finish. Yeah. Which is what this feels like. So next would be our bitterness. And very, like we said, very easy to drink. 10 to 20 on the IBU. We're going with the average IBU. I don't get sweetness, no sour, um, and not a lot of umami. Again, that's just because this is an easy to drink lager. Uh, Think beach, think park, think hot day outside. Uh, It'd be perfect beer for that. I'd buy this. Yeah, I think I would too. And uh, you definitely get, this is, I would say personally, a beer for a beer drinker. If you like the taste of beer, this is definitely a recommendation on my part because I really enjoy the taste of beer. Some people don't like the taste of beer, which is why they tend to steer towards the sours and the rattlers and the, you know, the hefts and stuff. But I like the taste of beer. So it's really just preference. Sure. Let's finish this one off, and then we will move on to number two. 
We got six, but divided seven or seven divided between us. That's only three and a half. There you go. So we're good. And we're not driving. Yeah. Yeah. We're at home. I like that one. All right. Let's see if I can do this. Did you hear that? (laughs) Do it right there. Okay. Do it again. Okay. Let me see if I can hear it. That's so gross. Sorry. Everyone's like, uh, turning the freaking podcast off. I don't want to hear you swallowing and like smacking your lips. No, it's just people that eat. Ugh. Oh, oh, speaking of eating. Yay. So, uh, we were, right? We were actually going to talk about just like general food pairs that go with beers like this. Uh, so a light beer like this would call for a light food item. So... If you really like pairing beers with food, I would highly suggest seafood, uh, any kind of shellfish, really light, like flaky, nothing too heavy, maybe even like chicken breast, something light. Uh, Definitely, it's not going to be bad if you pair it with something heavier, like steak or ground beef, but it will pair very nicely with something light, fish, seafood, maybe chicken, something like that, soup and salad, something like that. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Great suggestion for it. We're big foodies, so we like to have any excuse to talk about food. Yeah. And this is one. So just as a reminder, that was RAR's original beer from RAR and Sons Brewing Company in Fort Worth. And how do you spell RAR? R-A-H-R. Uh, yeah, so it sounds different yeah. than what RAR. RAR. We <laughs> it's like that, that one dinosaur is like RAR. <laughs> <laughs> Meredith will know what I'm talking about. Shout out, Meredith. Okay, like, I'm going to tell her, now you have to listen to the episode because I shouted you out for one second an hour in. <laughs> Are you ready to move on to the next beer? Okay, let's move on. Oh, hold on. Let me finish drinking this. Okay. So just a side note, we're doing a palate cleanser in between tasting beers because if you just go from one beer to the next without palate cleansing with water, you're going to have that first flavor roll into that second flavor and you're not going to get the full experience of the next thing you're tasting. So you want to take a sip of water in between and, and rinse out the glass that you're using as well so that you don't get any kind of mixture uh, when you're changing out beers or tasting different things. Right. And if you're at a brewery and you want to do a flight, that will be served uh, in individual glasses. So you don't have to worry about that. Similar to a vineyard when you go for a tasting, they'll use the same glass. So you just rinse it real quick. Yeah, they'll rinse it for you. And then you don't have to worry about any residual flavor. We're going to move on to our second style of beer that we are touching on. And I'm going to turn it over to my lovely co-host. You. Thank you. Okay, so the next beer we're going to talk about is a Pilsner. Uh, our Pilsner that we've selected today is Twisted X Pitmaster. And it's made in Dripping Springs, Texas. I've seen it. Never stopped in when we did our whole, you know, Dripping Springs and and North Austin tour. But plan on it. Yeah, and Dripping Springs really isn't that far. You Like, if some people aren't familiar, they're like, ah, oh, that sounds far. It's, like, right on the other side of Austin. Yeah. So it's definitely worth the drive. It's and like it's an hour and a half from San Antonio. It is a gorgeous city. Really pretty. Yeah. Really pretty. And uh, so Pilsner, uh, not a lot of history, because I know we've talked about a lot of history, but about 18, mid-1800s, uh, a Bavarian brewer developed the Pilsner. And, uh, you know, not a lot has changed since then. Some new hops, new grains, etc. come in, but essentially it's the same brewing process. Okay, so this one is Twisted X 
Brewing Company. Established in 2011, the brewing company itself hmm, in Dripping Springs. Yeah, I thought they were older than that. Yeah, Hill Country Crafted Pitmaster Prime Pilsner, and the alcohol by volume, the ABV is 4.2, so on the lighter side. One of the things they talk about on the label, which you could probably figure out by the name Pitmaster, is that we do barbecue good in Texas. <laughs> Absolutely. And so this is a perfect beer for any sort of a cookout. So that kind of says it all. And again, it's going to be on the lighter side. Uh, It is made with Hill Country Spring Water, which is... You're getting a country accent right now. Huh? You were getting a country accent. It is made with Hill Country Spring Water. Hill Country Spring Water. (laughs) How do you not when you say that? After one beer, we start to sound like hicks. If I was in Louisiana. Half a beer, not even one. If I was in Louisiana, I'd Louisiana. say. Louisiana. Louisiana. Yeah. New Orleans. Nolens. Nolens. I say Nolens. I say Nolens. <laughs> I say it in general conversation. I'm like, yeah, so has anybody ever been to Nolens? <laughs> <laughs> Make sure to put the enunciation on it. Oh, come up here with that so we can hear it. Okay. Here we go. Let's hear how, you know, part of our tasting is the sound, right? Oh. Oh, 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 mama. That was that was oh, good. I'll pour me first. Okay. Okay, super light. Yeah. I'm thinking it's, it's water. It's lighter than the last one. I'm thinking hill country water. water. <laughs> okay, so let me note on this. That's actually interesting. It's light, but it's got but a bigger it, head. A little it has a little bit more haze to it though. Like the haze is barely there, but it's still light. Do you, you know, that's a good point, but look at it against the light. There's so much more effervescence. In oh, it. yeah. It's got a lot more head than the lager did. And just to be clear, like I said last time, I've been bartending for a long time. We know how to pour a beer, so it's not the way that we're pouring it that's creating the head. Right. It's just happening on its own. Just a small fact. The head is actually a good thing. So you actually want about a half inch of head on your beer because that's what's going to bring out the entire flavor of the beer rather than it just, meh, you know? Right. Uh, so that's a good thing. When someone brings you a beer with head, it's probably intentional. Yeah. If it has too much head, that's obviously not a good thing because it's going to diminish the carbonation. But if it has no head, the beer is either flat or it was just sitting there for a long time after it got poured, and it's not going to have enough flavor either. Yeah, or it was poured incorrectly, Yes. which I have learned that when you don't have that half of an inch head foam on it, that you get full really fast. Really? Because, this is my personal experience, because the carbonation is going in me. So I find myself sense. like, boop. Right boop. now I'm kind of having yeah. that. Boop, boop, boop. Okay, so Pilsner uh, site... It is a little more cloudy than, than what we saw in the um, lager. Yeah, so it's it's like hazier than the first bit. one, but it's yeah. lighter, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's lighter, lighter in color. color. It's hazier in clarity. Yes. The yes, sound that was perfect. Thank you. Who are you? Where are we? <laughs> it's that half a beer. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> I just don't know anything today. All right. Sound, we know what it sounded like. It was very effervescent. Let's smell. Oh, it even smells lighter to me. I can barely smell anything. You know what? I kind of smell some citrus notes, which is weird. I think you're right. It's almost a... Is it a lemony, orangey? I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely like almost... It's citrusy for sure. I can't... Maybe pear? Yeah. Oh. A side note on that. Whatever you smell, 
is right. Yes. And whatever it looks like to you is right. I was told once when smelling wine that the first thing that you smell is what's in there. Like, it's usually right. Like, the very first thing that hits your nose. But if somebody says, I smell chocolate, and somebody says, I smell leather. You smell leather? Yeah. Well, that's what I smell. It's probably both. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so everything's right. It's not wrong. It doesn't matter if you're saying, oh, I smell pear. And they're like, the people that brood are like, we didn't put pear in that. Oh. So that's what I'm smelling, what you know, and that's, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone has a different... A different interpretation. Yes, interpretation. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's drink. Cheers. That was much better. There is citrus in it. You taste the citrus? It tastes I mean, it's not been brewed. More bitter than the first... It's not bitter, but you can definitely taste the difference in the bitter. You know what's crazy is you could not go on taste with color Mm-mm. because to me this seems so much lighter and that's what we found out the other day when we were doing a little bit of research and just like prepping for the episode that we actually put pilsner as lighter than lager when in reality it's not it just sounds so much like i don't know it doesn't sound but i guess that shows our little knowledge of pilsner that is that we thought that it was lighter and less alcohol content less bitterness and all that than a lager, but it's not, right? Isn't that funny? I know, and that really came to play here with the touch. So that that difference in the weightiness of the beer really came through when we talk about the tasting notes in the touch, yes. the feel, the mouth feels, because yes. this feels heavier. And it kind of coats your mouth it rather does. than just kind of dissipates after yeah. you. But it does have a clean finish. Yes. So that's good. So let's contrast and compare the two of them. The first one was light, easy, finish quick, just could drink it fast, yes. right? This one, I would have to slow down drinking it a little bit more. Yeah. I could still drink it on the beach. I could still, yeah, yeah I could. I, I, I could would certainly say like drink it at barbecue. a barbecue. Actually, yeah. It sounds very true to its its, its name. name on the can. And I, I wanted to touch on this earlier, but I didn't say anything, but... We need to be very clear that barbecuing is not hamburgers and hot dogs. This is like ribs and brisket and all that. So we also need to be really clear that the the metal thing that you put the meat in is not called a barbecue. No, barbecue is the result. Yes, of the grilling. food. <laughs> I really I, you leaned in. I thought you were going to be like take that out of the podcast. No, I was like because what in the movies people say. Oh, go the get bar- the barbecue. And I'm like, and they go out to the grill. I'm like, wait a minute. That's, that's a like, grill. That is not. Barbecue is a production of a grill. Yes. What the grill Or produces. even a smoker. Or a smoker. Those, yeah, those two different things. Very, very different things. But don't barbecue. Call. If you said the barbecue grill, I might let you pass. That may but... pass. Because you said grill. Yes, exactly. All right. Back to so, this. So I did yeah. notice as well that the last beer... After about a minute of it being in the glass, the head was completely gone. And this one is still there. We still have some. And it actually has left that residue on the inside of the glass that you want with a craft the legs. beer. Yeah. And that's awesome. Well, they call it legs in wine. I don't know. The, the foam. Oh, I'm not but, sure what yeah. it's called. But, but that's pretty cool. But yeah, I would drink this. I would drink this. Now, I will say I think this one is more food friendly yes. than what the first one was. Not that you couldn't drink with the first one, because you could, but this one, I definitely feel like it's a much more food-friendly beer. Yeah. 
So let's talk about the food that this would go to. Um, you want to bring together things that are kind of peppery in bitterness. That would enhance this. Shellfish is good. Again, it needs to be garlicky and peppery. Uh, some chicken wings. Wang. Chicken wings. Chicken wings. Something oily, some sharp cheese, risotto, tapas, Ooh. jerk chicken. I'm, make, I'm making myself I'm hungry. hungry. No, uh, I'm not. I just I'm like food. <laughs> am I bored or am I hungry? Am I hungry? Uh, fresh fish, lemon, some carbonara with the creaminess that would kind of be cut with the pilsner. Yeah. And even lift it up, you yeah. know, that, that real thick mm-hmm. carbonara, which I love. Um, pork, duck. Dumplings. Mm-hmm. How about a camembert layered with chili and bread? Almost like a charcuterie plate, Ooh, which would yeah. be really good. Now, you want to avoid any sort of sweets. Um, it doesn't really go well with this beer. Um, and so wait until you have a different style beer to eat dessert. So speaking of charcuterie boards, I actually saw this post of a Karen on Facebook recently and she had made her own charcuterie board with all the free things from a restaurant. So she had a glass of water and like a bowl of lemons and then like saltine crackers, some tartar sauce, some ketchup, salt and pepper packets, (laughs) Splenda, like all this crap. It was like completely free charcuterie board. I was like, you're trash. Like, no, that's so bad. Coming from the service industry, I'm like, oh my gosh, I would be infuriated with this customer. I'm not sure if it was a Karen. It might have been a man, but either way, it was someone that deserves the title of Karen. (laughs) So let's finish these, and then we will move on to our third beer. Just as a reminder, Twisted X Pitmaster from Dripping Springs, Texas. Cool. Cute building, too. Yeah. They're, it's a really cute building. Yeah. I look forward to going there. Cool. So now we're going to palate cleanse again, and then we're going to rinse out our glasses and pour out the residue and keep going. Okay, so I forgot to unhit pause, but it's okay. We're fine. Here we go. Okay, so our next <laughs> one, take three. Our next beer that we're going to talk about and enjoy is a blonde lager. And it is a Hellas-style blonde lager. Hellas, spelled H-E-L-L-E-S, pronounced H-E-L-L-U-S. But Hellas is, uh, means light in German. And so Hellas is a classic Bavarian-style lager. And it is actually Munich's main uh, preference in beer. Oh, well, yeah. that's interesting because usually when I think like Oktoberfest, I think like dark, maybe amber, a little bit darker kind of beer. But that's yeah. interesting that they have a, a Hella style, which is definitely lighter than that. Because this is, we're going from lightest to darkest. So this is still a light beer. Right. Right. And this is, these three styles that we had so far, well, two, and then one that we're going to have, really kind of my style. So the next, well, up into the amber. And then after those, I'm going to really be stretching my palate. Yeah, same. So it'll be, it'll be same. fun. Don't they drink beer room temperature in Germany? They do, but remember, it's a much colder there. So oh, their yeah. room temperature is different than South Texas room temperature. Yeah, right. ours would be like skunk <laughs> beer. It would. Uh, so Hellas is a sibling of Pilsner and other pale lager type beers, where Pilsner is a little snappy. Okay. Hellas is really more round and softer with a lighter touch from the hops. Okay. I'm honestly not really familiar with Hellas style. Oh, yeah? Beers. yeah. I'm really not. Well, Freetail 
the brewery right up here makes amazing pizzas. They have a great Hellas. What is it? The Bad at the Hellies? See, we say Hellies. Yeah, Yeah. right. That's Bad at the Hellas. Hellas. I think I've tried it, but I don't think I've ever ordered it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But I wouldn't, I mean, obviously I'd be open to trying it. Yeah, I drink that when we go up there for for pizza 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 okay the color well which we'll look at in uh but typically for this style it's a pale golden color kind of a medium bodied beer has a malty character kind of gives off a little bit of malted like a toasted malted flavor it's easy drinking the alcohol content around four and a half to five and a half so the abv which sounds about right for this lighter style and the ibus around 20 so again Part of that 10 to 20 in the Lager Pilsner Hellas style. Yeah. All righty. Cool. Uh, you ready to drink? Of course. Okay. Ooh. God, that sounds that so great in the headphones. Mouth. You can even hear. Let me see your glass. You can hear the viscosity You can hear it pouring. This is awesome. Okay, that's cool because it sounds like our intro. <laughs> that's awesome. All right, what do you notice about this one first? It's definitely a darker gold. It's still gold, but it's not as light color. It's definitely deeper, I guess would be the Yep, it's the more description. golden. Exactly, yes. pale golden, which is what they had described it to be t- uh, a typical Hellas. And it, start- it had a decent amount of head when I poured it, and it's actually starting to dissipate. It as is. I'm holding it right now. You're right. Look at the bubbles are already starting to slow down. And there's no bubbles on the bottom, which no is interesting. Bubbles. With the lager, the bottom was like layered in bubbles. Like it was like a whole film of bubbles on yep. the bottom. This one seemingly has none. And maybe just a few on the top. Yeah, but it's already starting to... The effervescence is already starting to calm down. Yeah. Your head is almost gone. Yep. That was sight, right? Yeah sound we heard the sound that was awesome i was glad we got that in the microphone that sounded yeah. good smell Ooh, that almost is like nannery that's what i was Banana. gonna say it, to me it smells tropical Ooh, that's interesting funny. this is a cool little fact if you want to get a better smell do a little swirl, not too much to where you're going to make your beer less carbonated, but do a little swirl in the glass and it'll bring out those notes again. Yeah, just like wine. All right, ready to taste? Cheers. I have to do it really gently. Oh, I like this beer. You can taste the weightiness, right? It almost stays on your tongue yeah. for a little while. It definitely has an aftertaste. It does. The weightiness is a little more than the other two. This almost tastes like a beer you can drink with like a slice of banana bread. Yeah. Oh, I agree. (laughs) For just 6 (laughs) a.m. Just kidding. I would say dessert. (laughs) Yeah. You could. This one you could actually have with a bready, yeasty type of dessert. Ooh, what about like bananas foster? Yeah. The cool thing is, is that we have no idea if the brewers intended this to taste like bananas or if they even used bananas. But the fact that we're tasting that is awesome. Well, the fact that we both tasted. Yeah. And we didn't even, I mean, again, this is the first time we're tasting all of these beers. So we have no preconceived notion of what they're going to taste like or how we're going to feel about them. And that was cool that we both kind of like immediately realized, oh shit, like bananas, you know? Yeah. I like this beer. I really do. The cool thing is, is with that Pilsner... 
I immediately tasted the bittering unit. And with this one, I don't taste any bitterness. Right. It's not any, but like very, very light. Remember what I said about the the roundness of it? Mm-hmm. That's what you're feeling. That's yeah. what you're tasting. It's a much more round flavor instead of the Pilsner being more sharp. And yeah. When I say sharp, I don't mean like like shockingly sharp, sharp, but very, very different. When you first drink a beer after you haven't had one in a while, it almost tickles and burns a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't get that feel with this one. I don't either. Yeah. It's actually really good. It's, it is. Not that I'm surprised that it's good, but it's actually really good. Yeah, it is a great beer. I'm really enjoying the balance in this beer. Yeah, it's it, really good. I think this would be a really good beer for someone that maybe doesn't like beer very much. Because it doesn't really, you don't really get that beer taste to it. It's almost like a, it's just like a drink. Like it's not, you don't drink this and think, I mean, yeah, you would know it was a beer, but you're not like, ugh, that tastes like beer. You know, it's like, there's so many different notes in the flavors. It's like it's really good. <laughs> and it's certainly not hoppy. No, it's definitely not hoppy. I think this would be a good beer for someone to try if they weren't. So maybe. If they were skeptical about, like, if they don't really care for lagers because it has that beer, like, yeasty, malty taste. This is good. It has flavor. Or somebody who has been drinking Pilsner and lagers and says, okay, I want to try something different. Yes, exactly. They're ready to move on to the little bit higher flavor profile or, right. you know, change their palate. This is perfect. This would be a good yeah. one. Okay, so what do we match this with? If we're going to go out to eat, uh, what what would pair good with this? Well, I've already mentioned the amazing pizzas, and they've got a really yeasty dough there. So mozzarella, tomatoes, uh, anything like a sandwich, some sort of an Italian sub, something that's hearty, meat-wise, lots of cheeses. Uh, I think this one would actually be really good in a beer cheese soup. Ooh. Oh, I because love beer it, cheese. Coel doesn't like beer cheese. No, at all. she doesn't I like beer it. cheese. Beer cheese dip or beer oh. cheese soup. Either one. And I like think... French yeah, French bread, ciabatta, like almost any kind of bread. They have a really good tomato basil bread that they make at Panera. Oh, mm. it's so good. And so this I think would go good with that because yeah. it, it would be hearty enough. The beer would be bold enough to stand up and be able to be uh, to shine through the cheese. Yes. Whereas a lager pilsner would be too on the light side. So like a light sandwich or a pizza would be perfect. Yeah, tomatoes, to cheese, with. that sort of thing. Yeah. I think it'd also be good as a beer to braise something in. Okay. Yeah. Right. And you're really good at that. Yeah. We do beer butt chicken. That yeah. would be good with beer butt chicken. It would be. I'm uh, sure, I mean, people don't call it that, but you put an entire chicken over a beer can that's like half full and then you put it on the grill, not on the barbecue, not on, on the, the grill. Barbecue. And smoke it for yeah. hours, and it's, oh, so good. So good. Um, I was going to say braising. You could braise some sausages Ooh, in this. Even some brisket. brisket. You could cook a brisket you with sure it. can. That would be yeah, awesome. With lots of garlic Which also, I think you can cook a brisket with, like, a darker beer, too, but we'll talk about that yeah, later. Yeah, but this would we... be the probably the lightest of the styles of beer yeah. that you would want to include in a recipe that you would not want to cook it with yeah. a Pilsner or a lager it would, for It'd be wasting meat. your beer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which we definitely don't want to do. Right. So. so the next style of beer that we're going to talk about is one that I have been enjoying a lot lately. Uh, it's going to be a wit beer, also known as a Weiss beer or a white beer, Hefeweizen. There's a lot of different terms that kind of all fall under the same umbrella. So the Weiss beer is the classic wheat from Bavaria, and it literally means white beer in German. Easy. Huh. Uh, the name comes from the yellowish white tinge from the pale wheat and barley malts that they make it with. 
And outside of Bavaria, most Weiss beer is known as Hefeweizen, which translates to yeast wheat. <laughs> so, and I think it's, I want to make sure that we're very clear on this. It's Hefeweizen because it is a German word. A lot of people say Hefeweizen or they say Hefe. That just bothers me. You can say whatever you want, but that just bothers me. Well, we do have a beer locally called Hefe. Hefe, though, not yeah. Hefe. Yeah. Yeah. So like El Jefe, like the boss. Right. Yeah. So the V is, or the W is pronounced with a V. Yes. Correct. A wheat-based beer is usually packaged unfiltered like we talked about earlier. They don't filter out all of the yeast, for lack of a better term, pulp. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's kind of pulpy um, with the yeast turbidity in the finished product. And according to German law, this is really interesting. A beer that is labeled a Hefeweizen, a Weizen beer, or a Weiss beer must be made with at least 50% malted wheat. But most of the people in Germany that brew use more than that. But in order for it to be considered any one of those Weiss, Weiss beers, white beers, uh, as a general term, it has to have at least 50%. Isn't that wild? Yeah, that is crazy. And I read also, it's weird because if you do less than 50%, it doesn't taste the same. But if you try to do like upwards of like 90 to 100 percent it's like very difficult yeah so that's it's usually in like the 40 to like 80 percent range of uh malted wheat to make you know those beers and even here in the states i think it's really cool how different countries want to protect the brewing process or even just the food distribution process or the growing yeah um you know there's wines that have to be labeled a certain thing it's like like it to champagne a champagne cannot be champagne unless it's grown the grapes are grown from champagne france yes and same thing with the uh, cabernet sauvignon it can't or cabernet it can't be labeled a cabernet unless it has a certain percentage of cabernet grapes in correct it. so i think that's really cool that yeah. there's a, a control over the industry and and therefore the quality yes just a touch more of history on this uh, so the origins of wheat beers reach back 6,000 years ago, or maybe more as far as they know, it's just 6,000, with the first brewers of wheat beer being Sumerians of Mesopotamia in what is now known as southern Iraq. Uh, and they know this from archaeological findings of, like, the grains that they used That's to make awesome. the beer. Isn't that cool? I love that stuff. And the oldest, this is really cool, the oldest known depiction of beer drinking, it dates back to about 3400 BC, they're drinking a wheat beer. Wow. Yeah. It's a top fermenting beer, like yeah. we said earlier. Yeah. Uh, the ABV ranges from about 4 to 6%, IBU being at about 15, a little bit lower, a little bit higher. Yeah. Before we taste the beer, I just have two fun facts. Um, if you're looking for extra protein in your diet, wheat beer is actually a good supplement because it has a lot of protein in the wheat. It contains more than barley. So if you're like, for some reason, need protein, and you're like, I'm going to drink a barley beer versus the wheat beer, drink the wheat beer. And it also contributes a little flavor to the beer. It doesn't really have much to do with the flavor, which is weird because usually when you think of a wheat beer or a Hefeweizen, it has a lot of flavor, but it's not because of the wheat. Got it. Which is interesting. It's because yeah. of the citrus and all that stuff that they put into have it. combined. Yeah. And then conversely, if you are gluten intolerant or gluten sensitive, you can't drink it. Yeah. So it's always good to know what kind of beer you're drinking. Yes. Um, there are beers made with rice uh and those are you know susan drinks those it's you know if you like beer there are alternatives i know that most ciders are gluten-free as well so with the cider you're not going to get the full beer effect obviously because it doesn't have wheat barley stuff like that but it's still on the same scale so cider is definitely a good alternative as well yeah and we're going to do cider we're going to taste some cider which 
I will have to say I'm not very versed in it. So super excited about yeah. that. Um, we'll see. Okay. The wit beer that we're tasting today is called Wit Beer Wheat Ale with orange peel and coriander. I'm so excited. About I this love, beer. like I said, I've been dabbling a lot in the wheat beers. Not a fan of coriander, so we'll see how it tastes because I'm really anxious to see if this is going to be good. No, I don't know if everyone knows this, but coriander is the seed of cilantro. But they have very different tastes. They profiles. do have very different tastes. And I have not cared for cilantro in the past, but recently I've been more inclined to it. I've been wanting to put it on my stuff. And so that's interesting. Now I'm hoping that it'll translate to the beer. But because... remember, coriander is a citrusy, the seed yeah. is a very citrusy seed. You'll also find it in Eastern, Middle Eastern dishes, curries, that sort of thing. Okay. Uh, it, it It's the brother um, or friend, I should say, to um, cardamom. And so, yeah, so <laughs> really no floral, floral flavor. I love ground coriander seed. But again, it's very different than cilantro. Yeah. Well, let's see. I'm really see. excited. So this is Community Beer Company, and they are brewed in Dallas. And the ABV on this beer is, <laughs> I saw 12 fluid ounces of like 12%. <laughs> no, 5.2. A little bit higher than the other three that we've had. Yes. Yes. All right. Let's crack this one open. Oh, that looks like they won the 2016 bronze Belgian style whip beer. Very nice. They won the medal for that. Ready? All right, ready? Yeah. I'm super excited about this beer. Too. Okay, that's from the can. That's very effervescent. That sizzle, the fizz that you just got was directly from the can. I haven't yeah. even poured it yet. Yeah, go. Oh, look at that. Oh my gosh, that sounds so good. Okay. You know it's a wit beer now. Look okay, at that. so everybody listening has probably seen and or tried Blue Moon. It looks just like Blue Moon to me. Or a very light orange juice, right? Yeah. You can't see through it. Yeah. No, you cannot see through it. <laughs> I accidentally gave you way more than me. Sorry. Perfect. There. Oh. Now you got more than me. That's all See, can't see through it at all. No, yeah, it's very you cloudy. cannot see through it. This is awesome. Put your hand on the other side of the can't glass. You can't see it. Nope. But oh it my is gosh, it looks really color. good. I wish we would have taken pictures of these in the glass we'll and posted those. Time. Yeah. Then that way we can show everybody the color. So with this type of beer, which was as expected for me, is the head is not very prominent. When you first pour it, it definitely has that half inch, but it dissipates very, very quickly. quickly. But that makes sense because this beer is not about carbonation. It's about flavor. So it's going to have a lot of heaviness to it. Not as much as a dark beer, but still, it's going to be very heavy forward. So it's going to dissipate that head really quickly because it's not predominant on the carbonation. You know? Right. Plus, it also is weightier because it's unfiltered. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. Good. Okay, Smell. what's next on our All list? Right. Our Smell? aroma. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. I smell the citrus for sure. Very citrus forward. It smells like mango almost. I don't get it. You know <laughs> what I get? It smells like mango. Mango. <laughs> I was really into that. <laughs> you right were into that. Sound like, <laughs> like mango. Sound like Coel. <laughs> she does such when she great does her voices. Accents. Yeah. This, I smell celery. But that would make sense because celeriac... I think a celery act, like the celery seed root. 
All right, let's taste. Cheers. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. I didn't expect that. Okay. I did not expect that. Okay. First of all, it finishes super fast for a wit there. Oh yeah. It's gone. It's gone. I personally would put a lime in this, or not a lime, a lemon in this, and I might put an orange just in a it. little bit more citrus, just like I would a blue mint. I would actually put a citrus in here. Oh. <laughs> I would actually. <laughs> I would put a citrus in here. Just a general term, any kind of citrus. The cool thing with this beer is that you get all of the flavor immediately when you sip it. But you don't really get it as soon as you swallow. You're right. It's like gone. It doesn't linger. It's weird. It's like you Smelling. smell it. It smells amazing. You taste it right when it hits your mouth. You're like, oh my gosh, all this flavor. And then it's not gone, but it's like so in the background it's clean. afterwards. Yeah. You have a clean palate. Yes. Do- yeah. It's really good. I like this beer. Yeah. I really I, like I it. I do too. like wit beer anyway, but this is a really okay. good one. The other thing is the coriander didn't scare us. I don't even taste the coriander. I don't either. I think that all it does is lifts up the citrus notes. And the spice notes. I mean, I think that's that actually might be why it tastes like a fall beer, fall beer. because of that spice. Yeah. It's not so much to where it's like overwhelming. Like you you know it's there because you read it, but it's not something like I said earlier, I don't really care for coriander. Can't even tell. So I think the message is don't let the fact that it has coriander on the label scare you off. Don't let anything on the label scare you off. Because it really is a two buck, try it something new. Yes. Grow a new brain snap. A new brain snap? Brain snap. What's that? That's when you get smarter. Oh, like a synopsis? Yeah, well. No, I like that. The playful banter. (laughs) (laughs) The really serious, not playful at all banter. Don't let the fact that it says coriander on the label scare you off. Yeah. Because it's not about the coriander. All it's doing is enhancing the rest of the flavor. Yes. Right? Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, there could be some ingredients that you see on a beer or something that's highlighted like it is right there. It wasn't just like hidden in the ingredients. It said it right there on the label. So there could be something like that that might make you think, oh, wow, like I... You know, don't really care for that. Exactly like I said earlier, this beer is awesome. Yeah. So spend two bucks. Yeah. Chill it. Agreed. Drink it. Enjoy it. Go find something new. All right. Let's talk about food. Okay. What kind of food oh. would this be <laughs> this good is with? This is you, baby. So the food that I wrote down is like light and citrusy. So like a nice vibrant fruit salad or a salad that includes fruit notes like strawberries, apples, things like that. Also, a uh, fish that is seasoned with lemon, um, orange, anything like that. Perfect. Yeah. That's exactly what I learned about it, too. Yeah. Everything that you said, again, not a dessert beer. No. This one's not a dessert Definitely not. Oh, you know what would be good? Like a Tuscany shrimp or a Tuscany <clears throat> chicken? Ooh. Yeah. Yes. It definitely would be. Um, seafood risotto, green leafy, very hearty vegetables. Yeah. Uh, oily fish, North African spices, all of those things, just what you said. Good. So we're going to move on to beer number five that we're tasting today. We're going to get a little bit farther into the scale. Uh, We've tasted a few light beers. Now we're going to start to get into the uh, toasty, malty, a little bit darker beers. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to stretch our flavor profile a little bit. I've been getting into some ambers lately, um, like a beta amber from New Orleans and stuff. I really like that one. Um, but this one, 
just based on the label, looks like it might be a little darker than what I've been enjoying. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, this one is an American Dark Amber, and it is Ridgeback from No Label Brewing Company, which is in Katy, Texas. Cool. Katy is just real close to Houston, uh, closer to San Antonio. So, in fact, I have cousins that live there. Shout out to the O'Neills. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the gumbo that we ate oh, from who was Pat, that patrick Patrick's oh, gumbo. Holy so cow. amazing yeah that was years stuff. ago and i still remember that so good it was we so ate good. it out there in that park it was just oh, beautiful it was great amazing thanks patrick which actually a gumbo might be good with this we'll see in a minute but well, this might be that, a good pairing that does stand to reason that they have a beta amber in new orleans and then it goes and nolens and nolens and then it goes hand in hand with yeah those kinds of things so cool, cool. So, not a lot of history, but I did want to share with you that ambers uh, were developed alongside with pale ales, uh, and they really are part of two kind of trailblazing uh, craft movement beers in the U.S. Uh, That kind of started around in the 80s when we started hearing about something other than the Budweiser's and the Miller's, right? And in many ways, pale ale became globally a true star. But the American Ambers actually kind of held true to the U.S. So you'll find them a lot more here than you will uh, worldwide. They are one of the top five styles Hmm. of brewing in the U.S. today. And over the last decade or so, Ambers taken two forms, something that's really highly or lightly hopped, um, which is similar to an ale or a lager, uh, sort of like an alt, which we haven't talked about yet, but mm-hmm. I like alt beers, uh, as well as the American Amber, which is highly hopped and really closer to a pale ale. So let me repeat that. There really are two styles. One kind of lightly hopped, more like um, more like an alt, like Allstat alt from Fredericksburg. Mm-hmm. Great beer. And then the more hoppy one, which is closer to a pale ale. That's where I'm going to stretch my yes, flavor profile same. is in the pale ales. Mm-hmm. Then you can also have, you have American Amber and they also have red ales. So you can do an American Red, which takes the amber to a whole nother, more hot, maltier, more hoppier level of a beer. And that's what you would be familiar with if you saw something that said red IPA, right? Yeah. Kind of similar. I think brown ale kind of goes in that category as well, like Newcastle. Yeah. It's not... Local, but yeah. Newcastle Brown Ale, is. I feel like that's kind of... Because there's so little of each of those, I feel like they just kind of lump them together. You know, and when we were looking for a beer like this, we had to search to yeah. find something that, first of all, that I hadn't had. Yeah. Because I've had several of them. But that was interesting. That seemed to be like... Ca- that category was a little more narrow. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So what you're going to get when you see this in a glass is... Think of the kind of the inside of the rainbow where you've got like the dark yellows and the oranges and then the, the deep reds and and even violet, that sort of thing. That's the colors you're going to kind of see in here with chewy toffee mm. or, mm-hmm. or toffee. a caramel profile might be present in that. And they do have kind of hop dominated and really a moderate to high bitterness. So when we talk about the IBU... 
Now we're going up the scale. We're about a 30 to 80. That's wow. a big range, though. Yeah, that is a big range. And 80 is kind of up there, That's too. really up there. Because yeah. those double, the double IPAs at 100. Yeah. So, but, and, you know, a, American Amber can be up there. Like, especially if it's something that's really, really crafty. They're like, we want this to be really bitter. Sure. It's definitely possible. Like a true American Amber yes. in that super hoppy range. So... Interesting, uh, as well as the alcohol content will be higher too. Okay. So, you know, it's about, they say the book says five to eight. You're probably looking at like like six and a half to eight. Yeah. It's going to be higher. Because when I think of five, I think, sure, that this is going to be heavier. Yeah. The imperial versions exist, like the reds. And again, those are going to be higher in the IBU, and they're also going to be higher in the ABV. Yeah. So... Cool. So let me just tell you a little bit more about the beer. Okay. Uh, this beer, this really touched my heart. I thought I would share this. Ridgeback is the name of this, and it was actually named after the sweet dog of Haley, Aww. who the, it's a Rhodesian Ridgeback. Uh, they have her picture Aww. on the can. Isn't that cute? She's I didn't really see cute. that. See her right there? Look at her. Oh, that's sweet. Isn't she cute? Um, let me just read you what's on the can so you can get some idea of the tasting notes. Dark American amber with strong flavors of caramel and roasted malts. Balanced with just the right amount of cascade and golding hops for a sweet, interesting, hmm. sweet but slightly bitter ale named after our sweet dog, Haley. That's so nice. Isn't that sweet? Oh, cute. I that so cute. So you ready? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's Here open it go. on the mic so everyone can hear. Nolabelbrew.com. Cool. This was the first can we saw that had the IBU on the outside of the can. That's cool, though, because it's like a lot of people don't really know what IBU is, but it's really awesome that they put that on there because we were interested in looking and finding the IBU on not just the type of beer that we're talking about, but that beer in particular. Yeah. And the other ones, as far as we can see, didn't include that. I haven't seen it. So. Which I don't think it's necessary. Obviously, I know that the ABV is like a requirement. Required. Yeah, but the IBU, that's that's a cool little side note to put in there. But know? for education, especially when you know your pre preferred zone, yeah. that is a great benefit. Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah, I wonder if all of their beers at No Label Brewing Company have that. I'm sure they, they do. I bet they do. We're going to crack open a cold. All right. Okay, I don't hear any noise. I hear barely. Barely. That'll be that'll be interesting. Well, that's good. Not good, but that's that's cool to notice. But as we're getting up there, it's changing. It's seeming to be less carbonated. Is it because they're heavier beers? I think it is. I think it might be. They're definitely still carbonated. I mean, every beer is going to be a little bit. It's a pretty color. It reminds me visually of sweet tea. Yeah. If anyone's familiar with like Shiner Bach, it's lighter than that. Yeah. So sure. it's not a super dark colored amber, which is funny because it's a dark, dark amber. amber. Yeah, that's the beer name of the beer is. A uh, lot of bubbles right off the bat. Good amount of head. It's not dissipating as fast as I thought it would. No, with it's this not beer. It's not. Ooh. Good amount of um, bubbles. Again, this is one of those almost like the wit beer. You cannot see through it. But I will say it's less clouded than the wheat than beer. The, yeah. You, can, you can't you can see through it, but you can see more True. than what you could with the yeah. wit beer. 
Yeah. Okay. Smell. Ooh. Toasty notes. Toasty, toasty for sure. Right away. Malty and toasty. With those malty, malty notes, you toasty. can real. Once you know what malt smells like, you can really pick it out. Don't taste it without me. Okay. <laughs> I was just getting anxious before we taste. Oh, I forgot to clink. Sorry. It smells really good. It does smell very good. All right. Let's All right, taste let's it. Let's go. Ooh. Oh. I will say that it tastes heavier than it looks. It does. But it's not heavy like a stout or a... She's closing her eyes, licking her lips, and trying to get her... All of her focus on her taste buds. (laughs) Way to out me. (laughs) (laughs) I've noticed that this is the first beer that it's been really noticeable that when I drink it, it leaves a ring on the top of my lip. Um, lip... Lip, like Philip, like Lip from Shameless. Shout out Jeremy Allen White. I hope you're listening. <laughs> Anyways, it leaves that residue, which is strange because that's how you that's how you know that it's heavy. It's my breath smell. Is that why you're turning no, away? <laughs> that's how you know that it's heavy. <laughs> I know. After this is gonna be like, can you not get so close to the mic because our breath smells. But do you notice that? Like, do I have a beer stash? You have a beer stash. Got beer. Okay. Being an amper drinker. Love the beer. Okay, first of all, I would be a buyer. It's definitely one that I would have maybe two of. It's a heavier beer. Yeah. Um, It's not, I will say, it's not something that I could drink on the beach all day. I'm always going to use that analogy because that's kind of, you know... It's not something I could drink on a picnic all day. This would be a beer that I would, you know, have one, maybe two of with some barbecued hot wings, a steak, like something grilled to really hold up to the unctuousness of this of this beer, yeah. right? That's funny that you say that because I was actually thinking it would be something that I would be like... 70 maybe like 68 degree weather next to a campfire drinking it's not one of those where it's like freezing cold and you want something to like sip on and keep you warm but it's definitely something where you're like relaxing kind of outside that outdoorsy vibe the winds are kind of blowing and again yeah the even the smoke from the campfire maybe the the barbecue the grill the grill to you know to come over and it's one of those that kind of seals in the flavor like every sip it's like, I feel like I'm tasting something different almost every sip I take. Every time. Yes. And it's that toasty that I almost get a, a hint of hazelnut, which is funny because I don't care for hazelnut, but I'm enjoying this. <laughs> yeah. Even if I'm getting the hazelnut, I'm enjoying that note of it, you know? What's interesting, so taking off from that, it lingers on your palate. Yeah. Like, I can still taste it. Yes. Right? And I haven't had a sip for a minute or so. So I think what's going on is that every time you take another sip, you're getting another light. You're reintroducing yourself to that flavor. Yeah. And it seems new almost every time. And even another one on top of what you've already have in your palate. Yeah. So. Do you have any food pairings that would go with this amber, the dark American amber style that we've been tasting? As that sounded of- too scripted. <laughs> So do you have any food pairings that would go greatly with this dark American amber? So I'm glad you asked. 
because I do. Actually, other than what we've already talked about, which is obviously the grilled meats and that sort of thing. Some kind of offbeat things, which might be really good. Something heavy. I got excited because I thought about a Reuben. Ooh, a Reuben. I think that would be really good. Or at least cooking the meat in this type of beer. Yeah. The roast, the corned beef. Ooh, that made me think. How would be like a French dip with a little bit of beer added to the au jus? With the au jus? That oh would, my might gosh. Be oh, wow. You'll call so, in a moment. Where I was going was portobellas, like grilled oh, portobellas, right? Yes. So you still have something that's grilled. You've got that grilled meaty flavor, but it's not as heavy as a steak. Umami. Umami. Um, other things like mac and cheese, like a mm. good, not craft, but what a good like a mac and cheese. What about like a brisket mac and cheese? A brisket, something... <laughs> Sorry, something hearty like that would be awesome. Um, You know, burgers are good, obviously. I love a good burger. Pulled pork, uh, any of those things. You want to avoid, though, anything that's acidic. Okay. It will not work with this dish. Well, that makes sense, though, because this is like a... Us, personally, we don't do well with acidic food in general, so I feel like piling a beer that's not only heavy, but it kind of does have acidic notes as well, it would be kind of... Overpowering. Exactly. They would kind of work against each other, which is interesting because that's not the situation with the Hefeweizen. The Hefeweizen works well with things that are similar in taste to it, but this one, I feel like it would be a no-go. It might be because of the toasted malt, Mm -hmm. and that is, again, the brown brown toasty notes are coming from the malt. Oh, okay. And so anything delicate... Is just going to be way overpowered. Yeah. So, like, you wouldn't want to serve a grilled fish with lemon with this. That would be a bad choice. So, yeah, that that's it. And, you know, ham, sweet potatoes, meat, mm-hmm. uh, a meaty fish would be good. Something so, it's very, like salmon. Something heavier. An yeah. oily fish would be good. Yeah, good beer. I'd buy it. I could still taste it lingering on my palate. Yeah. So, this is not going to be the lighter style. Okay, so for our beer number six, we are going to do an IPA. Really excited about this one because this is not something that we typically partake in. Um, I've definitely tasted multiple IPAs. I know that you have as well. But this is not something that we're typically drinking all the time. You right. know, So it's, it's new and exciting, and we're really excited to try it. Yay. So just a snippet of history about IPAs. They were first introduced in the 1780s. There was a London brewer named Hogson. He sent out a beer to be aged like wine to last a long journey. So they were traveling from, the, from Europe to India, and they needed a beer to last a long time. Uh, it worked out at first, but it gradually became paler and more refreshing to suit India's climate and it because India was too hot to brew any type of beer that they were doing at that time. And then jump to 1976, that's when IPAs first began brewing in the U.S. And then just one fun fact about IPAs, uh, there's actually four different styles. So there's English and American style IPA, Imperial IPAs, which are usually double, double IPAs, and then Session IPAs, which... Oh. I've heard a lot about Session IPAs. I think I've only tried one from Carbock, but they're really popular. I think that Session is the one that's like rapidly increasing in the U.S., and it's going to be really popular pretty soon. I've heard that name. I didn't realize that it was an IPA. Yeah. So uh, just a ABV general for an IPA, an American IPA, is 6 to 7%. I know that there's some IPAs that I've seen that are up to like 
15%, which is wild because it's like wine status. Sure. And then the IBU is anywhere from 55 to 70. So really up there, the bittering unit is going to be really high. So the IPA that we are tasting today is called Haze Wizard. It's a New England style India Pale Ale IPA, and it's double dry hopped. So this one's kind of up there, you know, it's it's out of our comfort zone for sure, but I'm really excited about it. I am too. Um, and it's a part of a rotating hop series from Three Nations Brewing, and they are from dun, 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 Farmer's Branch, Texas. Yay! Yeah. So this is going to be awesome. And on the top of the can, this is cool. It says respect tradition, but the E and res- the second E in respect is a three. Because oh. it's a uh, three nations brewing. That's great. Yeah. So this is cool. It's a pretty can. And there's a little wizard on the top. Obviously, it's Haze Wizard. So the back of the can, it says a little bit of magic is required for this mystical IPA. How fun. That so looks it's cool. kind of a right? series. Yeah. It almost makes me wish I lived closer to Farmer's Branch. Yeah, absolutely. I don't even know where that is, to be honest. It's in Dallas. Oh, okay. Let's uh, open it up. Not here. Virtually zero. Yeah, not here a lot. Zero bubbles. At least in the can. Okay, there's a few. Not a big head. Look at that. Yeah. So we were talking about the half inch. This one is more like a quarter. Yeah, it's a really small amount of head that you get when you're pouring. The cool thing is, is that it almost looks like the wit beer. A little orangey when it's set down, but when you hold it up to the light, it actually turns almost light orange close to yellow or gold, you know? All right, let's smell it. Oh, wow. You can smell the bitter, the bitterness in the hops. Absolutely, immediately. I'm smelling, what am I smelling? I smell citrus. citrus, But not citrus in a fresh citrus more like a like a fermented citrus like a fermented citrus <laughs> literally what exactly it what it, like. or citrus that you cook with yeah like for example your um like carnitas you know when you make or or um like pulled pork when you add the orange whole orange in there mm-hmm. that smell that comes from that it's up there man this is one of those beers, I think, and I haven't tasted it yet. This is one of those beers, I think, that it pretty much tastes almost exactly how it smells. It really smells good, though. Well, let's try it. It really smells good. All right, Cheers. salute. It's a lot more mild than I thought it was going to be. I did, too. I thought it was going to be super hoppy. It smells super hoppy, but it's actually really Smooth. mild. Like, yeah. it's really good. I was wrong. I thought it was going to taste exactly how it smelled. It does not. It does not. It's almost like a wheat beer. It is. But it's more citrusy than a yes. wheat beer. Right? But it's... I like this. It's really good. Yeah, it smells excellent. It really, it smells so good. I'm impressed that we're drinking an IPA that we like. Yes, me too. Right? Not that I've never had an IPA that I liked, but I'm really... Like you would order Taking Taken aback. Yes. If this was the very first IPA I ever tried... I would be like, IPAs are the best thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> because it's so good. And when anybody said, oh, an IPA. You're like, no, you no, need to try this you, one. What do you mean it's bad? That being said, I encourage anybody that's listening to this, if they've ever had an IPA they didn't care for, try this one. Try because this one. it's awesome. It's. I would serve this to my friends. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the food. I wrote down spicy dishes because the IPA... 
just like the malt and all of that in there mm-hmm. kind of cuts that out. Yeah. It cuts out the spiciness. Like you want to drink this with like Cajun food or like hot wings or something that has a lot. A lot of body. Spice forward. Not necessarily spicy. Yeah. Hot, but spice forward. I agree with you. And I think that things that, it, it, well, French Caribbean food is what you just described. Yeah. And anything with like a heavy flavor, like blue cheese. Uh-huh. <laughs> blue cheese olives would be dynamite with this beer. Yes. Absolutely. Any fruitiness that matches the cheese and the condiments, you know, some bitterness like coarse mustard. You definitely want something. Now, this would actually be one of the ones that you could have, believe it or not, with something sweet. Hmm. But you got to be careful with it. Okay. Like you would want a carrot cake, for example, a thick citrus cheesecake. That huh. would be that like would work. Like a strawberry really well cheesecake? More like a lemony or a okay. mandarin. Like a lemon know. custard? Something like that. Of course, steak and fries, great. Mm. Triple decker sandwiches. Mm. Jerk spices. Now, one of the things that you wanna avoid with this beer is chocolate. Really? Chocolate would not work. Weird. No. Or any tomato based. So you don't want to pile those on top of each other. It just won't be a compliment. Yeah. So the last style of beer that we're going to mention tonight is Porter. And that is the darkest of all the beers that we've tried today. I'm sure that many of you know about Porters. I mean, that's really close to a stout, kind of the same category. Uh, There's a bunch of different types. Usually during the holidays, they come out with like, you know, different flavors of porters. But just a little bit of background. Porters were originally introduced in 1722. Ralph Harwood, a London brewer, made the first porter. It was actually called Entire, and it had a blend of three beers, which is funny, because these are the three beers. Are you ready? Beer, ale, and strong beer. Those are the three different names of the three beers. Beer, that were slightly stronger and really strong. Yeah, literally though. <laughs> That's funny. And then uh, just jumping to uh, 1776, ironically, uh, that's when porters came to Ireland. Porters slash stout, so it's very similar. Right. Uh, and then Guinness was brewed a few years later. In the late 1770s is when Guinness became a thing. Not much different than a stout. It depends on who you ask. So Guinness, just to be clear, is a stout beer. And porter is a little bit different. Okay. We are going to try a porter. So this porter, I just noticed looking at the label, is a porter ale. It's called Bill Pickett Porter Ale from Texas Beer Company. And they are in Taylor, Texas. This has a 6.1 ABV. So it's the most out of anyone that we've tried today. But it does say it's brewed with solar and people power. So they oh, brew their beers with yeah. solar power, which is really, really cool. I love that. Yeah. Let's see what it says on the back. Full body with rich, toasty malts and a smooth finish. This beer pays tribute to Taylor legend Bill Pickett, the first African-American inducted into the Pro Rodeo Cowboy Hall of Fame. Yep. Cheers, y'all. And then it says a portion of the proceeds donated to the Bill Pickett Education Foundation. I don't even care if it's not going to be my favorite beer. I would buy it just for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Same. All right. So we're going to crack this bad boy open and we're going <laughs> to go. taste it. If we said that the IPA was a little out of our comfort zone, this one is way above that. Yeah. It's out of our comfort zone. It's but out of my we're comfort very zone. interested in trying it. I'm very interested. I'm now really I will excited. say that I have had porters and stouts and a flight. Yes. So, you know, I can drink 
five ounces in any. Yeah. Right? I would like to be able to enjoy a full 12-ounce porter stout. So yes. perhaps this might be one. Exactly. And also, yeah. shout out to Emily because she loves her dark beers. Yeah. S- milk stouts, uh, that dragon's milk that she loves to drink, porters, like that's her thing. And so that's I'm really crazy. excited. I imagine right? she likes that. I know. Yeah. and But she does. That's what she'll hey, spend Anthony her money on. Anthony likes them too. Yeah. Anthony well, there you go. Yeah. All right. We're cracking it open. Sounded good. Zero fizz. Zero fizz. Out of the can. And it milk. looks like chocolate milk coming out the top. I'm excited. Oh my gosh. Look at that color. Dumbass. It looks like Coca-Cola. It's so dark. Even Coca-Cola doesn't have a dark foam on the top. And this does. And it's thick. Oh my gosh. Okay. It looks it like looks, chocolate milk. It looks really great. All right. Wow. Okay, okay. so... Just first glance, can't even see past the first layer into the glass. It's so thick and so dark. You can already see the legs forming on the side. Yep. That's how heavy it is. There's a one-fifteenth of an inch of head on it. It And that's what I want to make clear. It's still carbonated. It's just less carbonated because it's a heavier beer. Right. It's not flat, is my point. Mine's gone. I know. Yeah. And I think your only reason why yours still has it is because you've been moving it yeah. a little bit. Looking up to the light, no difference. It's still just as dark. It looks like coffee. It looks like espresso. Like espresso. That's exactly what I it was saying. It doesn't move like espresso. You know how espresso kind of foams on the sure. top whenever it's, You're right. you know, that does kind of look like it. It looks just like it. Right. Barely any bubbles. All, All right. right. What about smell? <gasps> Let's smell. Take a big breath. It smells just like oh, coffee. It smells exactly like coffee. Oh my gosh. You can smell the toast for wow. sure. But you can smell almost like toasted coffee bean. It wow. does smell a lot. Like you get those chocolate and coffee notes in there. First of all, for I sure. love the aroma. Oh yeah, it's great. It's very descriptive of what I think it's going to taste like. It really smells great. Ready to try it? All right. Salud. Salud. I feel like I'm drinking cold coffee. It almost tastes like cold brew. It reminds me it of It totally tiramisu. tastes like tiramisu. Right? You yes. could actually use this. Oh, absolutely. As tiramisu instead yes. of the coffee and yep. the liquor. Yes. I'm honestly really, really shocked in the best way. All of these beers I've really enjoyed. I have too. I really have. I don't think that there was one that I wouldn't buy. I agree. I really don't think that. I agree. For different purposes, different Absolutely. reasons. So we talked about tiramisu. The other thing is, I know that there is a double chocolate stout that you can make brownies out of. Ooh, and or I chocolate hear, cake. Chocolate cake. And I hear it is um, amazing. Haven't done it. Penny used to do it. Or she did it at one time and she loved it. So Well, I guarantee you, you could throw this in place of milk and a hot chocolate and it would be phenomenal. Yeah, it would be. So definitely desserts, right? Yeah. Something maybe like, again, going back to the blue cheese salty kind of thing. Yeah. You want to play off of those coffee notes? That would be terrific. Because I wrote down smoked rich meat for my food pairing. Uh, Places like a Brazilian steakhouse, I think would be really great. Because you get the salad bar with the different types of cheese. And then you get those smoked meats, all different kinds of cuts. Things like that. That would be perfect to it pair with be. it. And this isn't a fast drinking beer. Either. No, no. Again. This is a sip on, really enjoy the flavor of kind of beer. Right. So going back to our analogy that we're going to use for everything, could you drink it on the beach? Yeah. You could, I don't think but so. you wouldn't enjoy it. Yeah. Right. Well, you could, but you'd be drinking 
one beer every two hours because yeah. you want to sip on this. Sure. I really like it. I'm very happy that we picked what we picked. And I'm really glad that we went into it with an open mind. Of course. And open palate, yes. <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. We really were willing to try new things because I think it really worked out for us. Oh, it did. And remember what we said in our bubbly introduction, that when you go to a microbrewery, you can always ask for a little taste. Absolutely. And they'll always know, give you a taste. You don't want to order a 12 ounce drink and not like it. Do not be embarrassed for asking. They want you to ask because they don't want to waste that beer either. Yeah. Right. And if you use the things that we've kind of talked about today, you get that one, maybe two ounce taste of beer. You look at it, you see the color of it. Don't judge it by its color, but you see the color of it. Smell it, swirl it around a bit, get that flavor back out there. Take a big sip, give it a couple tastes. Don't be afraid to really get into tasting beer. And you will know if you like that beer or not after that experience. But if you're genuine about tasting something, you're not going to need to ask for more than a couple beers because you know kind of what you're looking for. And you're going to use our guides to figure out and narrow down what you're really looking so we're glad you joined us for this episode this was about the family that you should know may know but had some questions about and the next episode should be about the neighbors and friends that you don't quite know but you might be interested in learning about right because these are some sketchy characters But hey, they could be great in the long run. You never know who you're going to become friends with. Next episode, we are going to do something very similar to what we did today. But we're going to tackle hopefully six or seven new styles that are not as common as what we tackled today. Right. And we're really going to stretch our comfort zone because we're going to talk about the sour beers and the gosses. Then if we have time to put out another episode before the holidays start. There were a lot of seasonals out currently and they look like a blast. So be looking forward to our next episode where we do a whole new set of beers. After that, a whole new set of seasonals. And then starting in the new year, we're going to go to breweries and talk to the people behind the craft. Thank you guys for listening. Until next time, like us on all forms of social media. Facebook at Crack a Cold One, colon, a South Texas podcast. Instagram, Crack a Cold One 2020. Or we're now on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. At Crack a Cold One, colon, a South Texas podcast. Give us a five-star rating even if you don't like us. Okay, bye. wanted to quickly point out the websites that I got all my information from so that I give them credit. So that is anchorbrewing.com, mobilecuisine.com, theguardian.com, celticcavern.com, beerabyss.com, and beerandbrewing.com. Thanks so much for all the great information.